Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, after the first week of the Emergencies Act inquiry, so many revelations that truly destroy the federal government and mainstream media narrative that the Freedom Convoy was full of violent thugs hell-bent on an insurrection. Sheila Gunn-Reed has been closely following the proceedings and she has plenty to report. Want more proof that the world is upside down? How about a YMCA facility that allows men into the female change room so that they can gaze upon young girls getting into and out of their swimsuits, but this very same Y bans an 80-year-old woman when she complains about this perversion? absolutely incredible and katie davis court has all the nitty-gritty details and letters we get your letters we get your letters every minute of every day and man oh man did you have plenty to say about the cowardice of the halton district school board when it comes to addressing the ongoing freak show occurring at oakville trafalgar high school regarding that shop teacher who dresses up as a drag queen every day yet if you dare to ask the HDSB trustees an impolite question regarding this situation, guess what? They run away and then call the police. No, I swear. And in the event, those are your rebels. Now let's round them up. The mainstream media's reporting about the alleged foreign nature of the convoy funding was cited as a reason the Liberals invoked the Emergencies Act to arrest, detain, and seize the property, bank accounts, and assets of anti-Trudeau demonstrators. They were apparently foreign-funded operatives threatening the sovereignty of our great nation. I'm going to show you the lawyer for the commission. Reading into evidence yesterday, the report on the explanation the government gives for their decision to invoke Section 58 of the Emergencies Act. Now, Section 58.1 requires that the government review any declaration of an emergency. Section 58 restrains the government. It lays down the very specific boxes that an emergency has to fit into before the government can invoke an anti-terrorism law on its citizens for political reasons. Now, one of those very specific reasons would be that the existing tools under the criminal code cannot effectively deal with the threat before them. And one of those threats would be the ability of Canada to preserve the sovereignty, security, or territorial integrity of Canada. So the existing tools would not be enough to stop this dangerous foreign-funded influence that is fomenting sedition in Ottawa. I want to point out that nobody's charged with sedition from Ottawa. They're only charged largely with mischief, which is an existing criminal code thing that police lay on people every single day. Lies don't matter, Trudeau. They matter to us. We have come, Trudeau. We want freedom! Now, the proof point that the government uses to say that this was a foreign-funded operation and that we needed all these additional tools to deal with it was laid out by a lawyer for the commission. Just watch. And that there was media reporting about the majority of donations being made through crowdfunding site Give, Send, Go, originating from donors outside of Canada. Did you get that? Media reporting about Give, Send, Go indicating that the majority of donations to the protest were made by donors outside of Canada. 
The problem is that's completely wrong. Don't take my word for it though. Take the word of give, send, go at a House of Commons committee earlier this year. Listen. You know, there was a news report um, that said that your campaign specifically to support the convoy protesters, uh, the donations originated 60% from Canada and 37% from the United States. Is that is that correct? Yes, that's that's is an appropriate breakdown of funds. In terms of the actual money raised, is that is that fairly consistent, 60-37, or what was the percentage-wise the origin of the funding? Yes, that's going to be very consistent. Most of the donations were donations under $100, and it's pretty, pretty consistent across the board. In terms of like around 60% of the total money raised was from Canada and 37% from the United States, just confirming that that's roughly consistent. Yeah, I believe it to be. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I believe that to be the case, yes. Justin Trudeau's hand-picked government-funded media published fake news, and the government reacted to it, probably knowing full well that it was fake, but it gave the government the cover they needed to do what they wanted to do to their political enemies. Well, the Emergencies Act inquiry is all about finding out why the government brought down its brutal hammer back in February to shut down the Freedom Convoy, so much more has been revealed, such as the dysfunctional relationship in Ottawa involving the chief of police, the police services board, and Mayor Jim Watson. In fact, at times, it seemed as though Ottawa resembled a dark version of Peyton Place. And with more on the shenanigans we witnessed these last several days, is our chief reporter, and that would be Sheila Gunn-Reed. How you doing there, Sheila? I'm doing great, David. I'm very grateful for this reprieve from <laughs> the testimony that I've been listening to for, I guess it'll be seven days by the time this video comes out, seven days in this chair, listening to bureaucrats stand in a circle and blame each other for what they did to Canadians. It, it's so true, Sheila, and there's so much to unpack. But And I know you've been following this very, very closely, as have other rebels on staff. But Sheila, tell me right off the bat, what was the biggest revelation to date for you? I think the biggest revelations came on, I would guess, probably Monday and Wednesday. So those are the days when they had the grown-ups testifying, (laughs) the not local busybodies who complain about everything. And the non-politicians. So those were the days that they had senior government bureaucrats who seem apolitical. You can tell they are anti-convoy. They just didn't want this problem in their town. But they were honest. They said the truckers were negotiating in good faith. We heard from the city manager and Jim Watson's chief of staff, Mayor Jim Watson's chief of staff. They all said the truckers were negotiating in good faith. The truckers were not the reason that the negotiations to end the so-called siege of the capital. Um, they were not the reasons that those that that stopped happening. It, in fact, was Justin Trudeau yep. because a deal had been struck and there are receipts, as the kids say, uh, signed documents back and forth between senior government bureaucrats and even Mayor Jim Watson, even though he likes to deny that on the stand, that there was a deal struck to move the trucks out of the downtown 
They were doing it. They had already moved 40 trucks. They had moved as many trucks as possible. They were strained for police resources to continue to move the trucks. And that was one of the reasons they kept asking the OPP and the RCMP for more cops. And it wasn't necessarily to come in and bust heads. It was to help get those. It's a major operation to move. You know, they said it was approaching a thousand trucks out of the downtown core. They were doing their best to do it. They were moving them on the 14th or on, sorry, the night of the 13th and the morning of the 14th. And then Justin Trudeau invoked the Emergencies Act. All the cops that were working to get the trucks out of the downtown core were then redeployed to the protest. It stopped the movement of the trucks and it started the chaos that happened right after that. It all stemmed from the invocation of the Emergencies Act. I think that was a, a major revelation is that a deal had been struck to end the so-called torment on Ottawa residents. And I, I say that with great exaggeration. And then oh, and Sheila, on, if I may jump in here, ahead. the torment of the Ottawa residents, what you said earlier, the Ottawa busybodies that are always yes. complaining about something. I think it's very important. We have to correct the narrative. I mean, I was there for several days uh, reporting on the demonstration. And the two things you always heard about was the intolerable noise pollution with those truck horns going off and the economic smackdown uh, of yeah. the city of Ottawa. Two things. One is, um, I don't know, maybe people in Ottawa are snowflakes. When I got to my hotel, which was right in downtown Ottawa, literally surrounded by these trucks, blaring their horns. As soon as my head hit the pillow, I it was lights out. I, 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 I was asleep. Secondly, Sheila, I did a report, as you may know, where I was looking at all the convoy protesters because you had well over 100,000 people converging on Parliament Hill, going to a Tim Hortons, you know, going to a, a, a restaurant shop. Yeah. They were they were closed on their own accord. No one told them to yeah. close down and they missed out on an economic bonanza. The few restaurants that did remain open had oh, lineups out sure. the door. No violence, no vandalism, no harassment. So I think it's important, don't you, that we correct this narrative that this was not a siege on Ottawa businesses. They brought that siege upon themselves. Uh, I, I don't know, maybe believing the garbage they read in the mainstream media. Well, that's the thing. You had 100,000 people coming to your city to spend money, if their money wasn't cut off by the federal government, by the way, to spend money after you've had two years of lockdowns. You should have been grateful for that. Instead, you saw them as foreign invaders. And this goes to um, a point that somebody else made to me the other day, but it was so salient and so good. There is a real classist thing happening here. When you hear from these Ottawa busybodies, they are really offended. This laptop and pajamas class, these largely <laughs> government bureaucrats in their cubicles and their tiny little apartments uh, where they can work from home and never get dressed and never have to see a blue collar person and their Uber Eats gets knocked at their door, but you don't have to look at the guy who delivered it. He just knocks on your door and runs away. Um <laughs> There's a real classist bent in all of this. That they're so grossed out that these useful people, the people who make the world go round, the people who deliver all your stuff and make sure that your stores are stocked and they do things and build things and they can fix things. Hell, they built a society in three weeks on the streets of Ottawa. <laughs> um, the, the laptop and pajama class really grossed out. 
that these blue collar people, largely from Alberta, were in their fancy, fancy white collar city. You can see that vein running through everything. But there, uh, you asked me right off the top about what one of the other revelations mm. was that really damning for the federal government. The head of OPP intelligence, yes. uh, Superintendent Morris, he is the guy that is, he communicates with the RCMP, with CSIS. If something is happening in Ontario, if it's a terrorist threat, a violent threat, extremist threat, he's the guy who knows about it. He collaborates with all these agencies, and he said that there was not a single threat of guns within the convoy, which also turned out to be true after the fact. Um, their intelligence ahead of time showed this, that there were no threats of violence or extremism within the convoy in any real way. Um, and so it completely debunked the lies. And in fact, he blamed the politicization of the convoy protest for this lies and for him time-wasting hysteria. He said that they were getting phone calls at the OPP that people had signs that they didn't like. And so they were <laughs> calling the OPP to come and investigate these people with signs they didn't like. Wow. What a time-wasting thing. Um, but that's what they were inundated with. And he just said, it's because you had these politicians saying all these terrible things about the convoyers. So when the convoyers got there, they had the people of Ottawa had heard for two weeks that basically the KKK was rolling into town. Yeah. And so when they showed up, they're like, hi, KKK's here. What are you going to do about it? And it just wasted the OPP's time. It, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and you know... I was live tweeting on Wednesday, Sheila, and uh, Sergeant Morris, one of his quotes was, quote, uh, there was all there was almost no criminal activity, end quote. I, I think he only threw almost there because, yeah, I'm pretty sure somebody might have jaywalked or maybe exceeded the speed limit. I can tell limit, you. <laughs> right? I but, can tell you that number. Pardon me? I can tell you that number. I can tell you that number if you're curious. Yes. Um, the number, uh, and that came out in Thursday's testimony. Uh, Deputy Chief Ferguson, so she was in charge of like community response. At the time, in the first 14 days of the convoy, it would have been police chief slowly at the top. And then Deputy Chief Pat Ferguson and Deputy Chief Steve Bell, who is now the chief. And he was, Steve Bell was in charge of intelligence. And there's some concerns that the OPP was giving intelligence reports to Steve Bell, but they were not going up the supply chain to the chief. And so the chief ultimately was caught flat-footed or reacting with bad information. Mm. But I can tell you, between the 27th and the 13th of February, do you know how many people were charged in convoy-related incidents? Sock it to 13. me, baby. 13. 13. 13 people was all it took to invoke the Emergencies Act. 13 people charged. That's it. And then subsequent, then, you know, the Ferguson said, oh, well, yeah, but in total, yeah. there were 400 people charged or 400 charges laid. Yeah. The majority of those happened as a result of Emergencies Act enforcement. So when you gave the police all these extraordinary powers of search and seizure and arrest, that's when the charges started coming because they didn't have the constitutional ability to charge people with things prior to that. So when things are evenly applied and the government's not overreacting, only 13 charges were laid. And Sheila, you have previously reported that during the trucker convoy, yeah. 
crime went down in the city, like real yes. crime, right? And I observed my own eyes. There wasn't even littering. You had people walking around with uh, brooms and garbage bags in the freezing cold, sweeping up cigarette butts, a wayward Tim Hortons cup, you name it. So it's just incredible. But, you know, as I said in the introduction, the, the whole soap opera, I mean, it's not really about the Emergencies Act being invoked, but it gave us a, a window into Ottawa politics, Ottawa policing, that triangle of Chief Slowly, uh, Dan Deans of the police board, and uh, Mayor Jim Watson. And um, there were just so many cringeworthy moments. I mean, uh, Dean's saying that there was an insurrection, uh, not on Parliament Hill, but within the Ottawa Police Service that slowly had his enemies, both with senior officers and the rank and file. One of our lines was they didn't want a good crisis to go to waste. Uh, Mayor Watson wasn't uh, approving of the replacement for slowly that uh, they had all but signed. Uh, and they played that secret tape recording she made of Jim Watson. What uh, a creep show that lady is. Oh, it was. <laughs> Just a creep show. Was, Who can trust that lady <laughs> as far as you can throw her? Seriously, I, who could have a serious conversation with her? Yeah, but I mean, it, it just, I think it just was fascinating, Sheila, because it gave us a window into how dysfunctionally this city operates. What was your takeaway from that testimony on Wednesday? Yeah, it, I agree with you. And hearing today, what I heard today, today being Thursday, uh, a lot of, uh, I have now suspicions that I think they actively sabotaged Chief Slowly. Oh, yes. For example, why, why wasn't the head of Intel giving him intelligence reports? Well, probably because the intelligence reports weren't saying what everybody else was saying in the media, that there was unprecedented violence and these were extremists and and uh, I, I saw in one police intel report, which was ridiculous. This is OPS intel, not the OPP intel. Um, you can see in those intel reports, they're saying some pretty denigrating things about the protesters. But again, they are forced to admit that they are not violent. But they say, you know, there, there are other groups getting on board with the convoy as it rolls towards Ottawa. And they said the other groups that are getting on board are farmers and far right wing <laughs> radicals, whatever that means. That's that's like the, the catchphrase of the day. But then when uh, Deputy Chief Ferguson was pushed on that question, getting on board, you know what getting on board meant? It wasn't joining the convoy. For them, it would be watching a Facebook live or standing on an overpass to just watch curiously as the convoy rolled by for the OPS. That constituted a show of support by way of something that maybe could get your bank account suspended. Yep. You know, the Ferguson said some pretty interesting things today about why she supported the invocation of the Emergencies Act. And it was really two reasons, but a third. For her, she liked the fact that she could compel tow truck drivers against their will, enslave them mm. to move trucks they didn't want to move, expropriate somebody else's business. She liked that. But she was also forced to admit that they also had tow truck drivers from outside the area lined up and they were coming in prior to the invocation of the Emergencies Act. So they didn't need the Emergencies Act to compel tow truck drivers. Mm. And the other thing she said was, well, it saved us time 
because when you have outside police from outside services coming in, they all have to be sworn in to be Ottawa police service members for that short time. And so the lawyer for the trucker convoy said, so like, how much did this actually save you? Like how much time in this thing that's gone on for three weeks now, how much did time did it actually save you violating all these people's rights? And she said a couple hours. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. Sheila, you know, we're, we're rapidly running out of time. One last question to you, my friend. Um, with any inquiry, there's going to be winners and losers. And I think after the first week, in my estimation, I think the biggest winner so far are the members of the trucker convoy. They yep. are, it has been, and I'm saying this regardless of your politics, regardless if you lived in Ottawa during the time and, and you hated the diesel fumes and the horn honking. I'm just saying that the narrative that these were Klansmen and neo-Nazis and white supremacists, that garbage has gone out the window. Um, you mentioned it yourself, 13 charges, crime rate going down. Um, I think they're the biggest winner so far. Who would you say so far, Sheila, is the biggest loser after these last several days of uh, testimony? Well, I think it's Justin Trudeau and he haven't, hasn't even testified yet. Um, <laughs> but I think it might be Mayor Jim Watson. You know, David, my mom used to have this saying, and I never quite understood it when she used it, but it, she would say, that's a strange hill to die on, but mm. at least you're dead. <laughs> and uh, and uh, that's how I felt. About, it all came together and made sense to me when I watched Jim Watson testify to the threats that he got. For, he s testified that somebody from the Maritimes was arrested as they headed to Ottawa with a gun to kill him. And then later on in the evening, after he's done testifying or the next day, he retracts and say he misspoke. How do you misspeak that somebody was coming to kill you? That's not a misremembering. That is a boo-hoo on the stand for attention. And then somebody probably went and said, well, I can't actually see in the police charge records that this actually happened. I think for a lot of these politicians, this is the closest they've come in two years since, or maybe longer since Justin Trudeau started colonizing the media, that they've come to real time accountability and they can't stop it. And the journalists can't control it because it's live broadcast for everybody to see. You're bang on Sheila. And uh, thank you for remembering, uh, remembering that term disremembered. I think that was a first uttered by a certain baseball pitcher in a steroid scandal. Yeah. Maybe Mayor Watson needs a, uh, a steroid uh, to the brain <laughs> to get it functioning better again. But Sheila, thank you so much uh, for joining me and you have yourself a great weekend. Lots more testimony to come in the weeks ahead. So much more. Thank you, David. <laughs> okay. Have a great weekend. You got it. <laughs> And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed, the chief reporter for Rebel News, somewhere in the northern hinterland of Alberta. Hey, folks, keep it here. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. All three of you are being asked to leave the property right now. If you don't leave, we're going to issue you a, a warning, basically, that says you're violating the policies. Of what? Disrupting customers trying to use the... Cool. How, are we, how are we disrupting? So you'll be asked to leave, and if you don't leave, you'll be subject to arrest for trespass. So this is subject to arrest. There's a man. So men are just shower able to enter any women's space that they choose. Depends on each individual situation. Wow. 
Is that the way you guys are trained in there? To is that how you're currently? Well, it just depends on the situation whether or not we create. So well, we have to evaluate it based given what the law says. So and the law says a man can be in the women's shelter if he feels like he's a man. Yeah. That's the way it seems these days, yeah. To deny the embodied sex-based differences of men and women, that is sexism. To deny that we have these physical differences that are meaningful, that is sexism. And and girls are now being raised in, in what is, I say, rape culture, where they are told that they are literally not allowed to say no. I can tell you, I'm, I miss using the pool just so much. It was a very necessary part of my life for my physical well-being. But she says a, a man. man, watch little girls undress. If she actually witnessed that, in a normal society, that is a criminal act. Katie Davis Court reporting for Rebel News, back here today with Miss Julie Jamon at the YMCA Mountain View Pool because our petition has reached 10,000 signatures. Now, you might know Julie from our last video. She was banned from the YMCA for hate and discrimination after she allegedly witnessed a trans staffer watch little girls undress in the women's changing room. After expressing concerns, they banned her from the property. So 10,000 of you, actually more than 10,000 of you, signed the petition, so we're here today to hand deliver it to the YMCA staff to get Julie back swimming. Look at this. This is new. This is because the old lady saw little girls taking off their swimsuits in front of a man in the women's shower room. The man was dressed in a bathing suit, a woman's bathing suit, and he was watching these little girls. I did what any stand-up human being would have done. I said, you have to get out of here, you can't be in here. And he was watching those little girls. No parent would ever, ever have allowed that to happen. But this is the consequence. How does it feel to have 10,000 signatures? Oh, so, well, I'm pretty sure that 10,000 signatures probably represents a million people. And I am a grateful person because this issue needs as much attention as all of us can give to it, it is essential. It is the core of our culture and our whole legal structure is the fact that we have males and females, men and women. I can tell you, I, I miss using the pool just so much. It was a very necessary part of my life for my physical well-being. Julie, come back, go for it. Oh, oh my gosh. Did somebody just slide that through the door? Aaron Hawkins? Yeah, that's, so they knew you were out there. With a trans sticker. Okay, so Katie Davis Court, Rebel News. I'm here with Julie Jamon and this Port Townsend YMCA, they are not letting us in the property because today we received over 10,000 signatures for a petition to let Julie swim. And we are here to drop this petition off to the Port Towns and YMCA, but they will not let us in the building. They have shut the building off and they slid this, um, this business card for us to contact along with a 
transgender stickers. Folks need more proof that planet Earth has now devolved into the bizarro Superman world? Well, how about the fact that it is a-okay for a biological male pretending to be female going into the woman's change room and gazing upon little girls getting into and out of their swimsuits, but it is offside for an elderly biological woman to complain about this. Oh, and by complaining, that is obviously an act of transphobia, meaning that she will be banned from a supposedly inclusive facility Oh, and the cops will be called if she ever dares to visit the place. Actually, me thinks this is even too crazy for the bizarro world. And joining me now is Katie Davis-Court, all the way from sunny Argentina. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Katie. Thanks for having me, David. Fantastic. Katie, so many angles to cover off here, but I want to address that really bizarre interaction you had from somebody behind the doors at the YMCA when they reached out with their business card and they gave you a transgender symbol sticker. Here's the main thing I want to get to, Katie, and it applies to this biological male at the YMCA going into the female change room, and it applies to the biological male here at Oakville, Ontario, the Oakville Trafalgar High School, pretending he's a female and wearing that outlandish uh, drag queen costume. And it's this, why is it that the YMCA uh, in Port Townsend, and why is it that the Halton District School Board here in Ontario, they take on face value that this is a transitioning person, that it's completely off the table to ask, is this maybe a prank? Or even worse, is this maybe somebody suffering from a sexual perversion? I mean, Katie, what I'm getting at is to even ask those questions, are we in a world right now that the mere asking of such questions is an act of transphobia? Oh, right. I absolutely agree. You know, this just goes to show that we are in a time of what is wrong is right and what is right is wrong. And this whole transphobia nonsense, you know, with the YMCA, these ladies, they just want to protect women's only spaces because this is absolutely you just said sexual perversion, but it also opens the door to future criminal activity. And you don't know anyone these days can say that they are a uh, trans woman and lie about it. There's no, um, there's no, what am I trying to say? There's no um, guidelines to determine now who is trans and who is not because anyone can say it. And so um, basically in the United States, Right now, this is not just happening at the YMCA. It's actually policies that our government are putting forth that state that men can be in the women's changing rooms. And there does not have to be signage on the door, which is what all these ladies are asking for. They just want a gender-inclusive sign because there's no signage. Men can walk in. And we're at Rebel News is actually launching a huge campaign against the YMCA for allowing men and women's bathrooms. And after our Rebel News report um, shined the light on the issue with Julie, we received a lot more tips from across the country. What about the rights of those girls, the rights of biological women to uh, change? We keep hearing the term safe space. Well, who's concerned about the safe space 
of 50% of the population, women and girls, uh, Katie. Let me, I gotta ask you though, Port Townsend, it looks like a lovely little town, population about 10,000. Where do you think public opinion uh, lies with this? Are, are, are people say, yeah, um, this is all about, a, a, you know, being inclusive to trans people or are people outraged saying enough is enough. A, a man with who is 100 percent biological male still going into that change room is offside and a potentially unsafe situation. Where do the people of Port Townsend uh, weigh in? Okay, so I think around the world, I would say that people are, are outraged, but the Port Townsend is an extremely liberal hellhole, I would describe it. <laughs> Port Townsend is, is an absolute disgrace. After what happened to Julie Jamon, they held a rally in support of Julie and Port Townsend. And the mayor that day uh, signed a transgender proclamation for the city. And then the rally was held directly after that. And far left, left-wing activists, they came and actually attacked the group of elderly women. And after the attack, the mayor of Port Tampa sent out a tweet saying how proud he is that the women were attacked and how proud he is to call Port Tampa home. Most people are shocked that this is even happening in the first place. And people are fighting back and Rebel News is going to help with that too. And Katie, I remember you covering that protest. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was that where somebody was displaying that idiotic sign that stated Nazis go home? Um, yeah. Yeah. And so is that standing up for the rights of girls and the rights of biological women? This is like you're a member of the Third Reich. I mean, you know, it's just amazing how the left uses language, I think, uh, Katie. If you were somebody hell-bent on world conquest, if you were somebody hell-bent on creating a genocide, yeah, I think you can call that person a Nazi, but standing up for the rights of girls and women, that meets the benchmark of these idiots when it comes to the word Nazi? What do you make of that? Right, you know, I agree. They have no argument, so their only result is to name call and accuse you, I believe, of what they are guilty of. So they know that their argument sucks, they know that their policies suck, and they use violence and political intimidation to try to silence their, their opponents. Katie, one last question before you go. Look into your crystal ball for me if you can. Where does this issue end up happening? I mean, what what is going to occur? Are, is, are they going to reverse the policy or are they just going to be diligent in protecting uh, the right of a person who, like I said, might be pranking the YMCA, might have a sexual perversion, similar to Mr. Lemieux at Oakville Trafalgar High School? What's going to happen in the days and weeks and months ahead, do you think, Katie? You know, it's pretty interesting. So the YMCA, it stands for Young Men's Association. That you would think that they would have more Christian values. Their board of directors, I would say, is growing more woke or leftist. But they do have, it is a nonprofit, so they do rely all on donations. So if Rebel News is able to shine a light on this issue and help the people that are fighting against the help them fight back, I think that it can potentially be reversed, but it's going to take a lot of effort. I think that 
Julie and the parent Boston, I think that they're going to have a lot of support. So I can't guarantee that they will reverse the policy, but I think that YMCA is going to get what's coming to them pretty soon. That, that's a, that's a great point. Hit them in the pocketbook, um, you know. And Katie, it'd be not also nice to see the feminist movement get engaged. Uh, they're AWOL on this. But then again, you're living in a nation in which you have a Supreme Court justice who is unable to define what a woman is. It is. It just gets more and more insane uh, by the week. Uh, hopefully, the pendulum will swing back at some time, and you can report a good news story out of. Port Townsend. Katie, thank you so much. You have yourself a wonderful weekend there in Argentina. Thank you, David. You got it. And that was Katie Davis Court reporting all the way from Buenos Aires. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. children or your sisters have children or somebody in your family has children. Please think about them. Think about the presidents this school is setting for every other school in our country. Stop being scared of this agenda. Stop being scared to go against the narrative and put our children first. Please, please. Who is gonna take this petition? And who is gonna answer this lady's questions? Dr. Shuttleworth? Well, I don't know. I think they're obviously transphobic. They can't handle a birthing person like me asking them questions. I'm getting so nervous my uterus is about to fall out, let me tell you. We have 20, 20 trans 16,000. Uh, That's what you do in response me, to asking about the children? Children. Innocent. Just children. Take the and I'm gone. Children. We as adults are supposed to protect the children. You can't oh, shame. 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 What? Shame. Why is he subbing in other classes? Why is he not restricted to only the shop room while we deal with this situation? Why is he subbing in grade 10 math and grade 10 science with 15-year-olds? They're 15. They're 15. Cowards! Look at you running away! Running away! Why don't you answer? You're the adults the children depend on? Really? This is a sad world we live in when the children don't even have adults to depend on them to protect them. We gotta take our kids out of the school. Every one of you deserves to be charged. So we gotta take the kids out of the school. Look at them walking out. Come on. on! Every each one of you who's a trust. Please and you stand are up. Again. Wow! Cowards. Stand up, please. You're cowards. All of us, we gotta go out, walk out. Think about your grandchildren. You. Think about where this is headed if you don't. Unbelievable. Stand up. Shame on you. Think about your grandchildren. Think about it. You owe it to the Look at these cowards. Unbelievable. Your Unbelievable. grandchildren are better. Unbelievable. How do you look at your kids at night? Indeed, what cowards. And get this, these so-called brainiacs didn't even show up to their latest meeting last Wednesday night. They went virtual instead. I guess the sight of those sporting fake Zed Cup boobs is too unsettling for the educrats 
But it's perfectly fine for kids in class to endure that very same sight. Wow. In any event, you had plenty to say about the Halton District School Board accommodating someone who might be a sexual pervert, yet this same board gives the finger to concerned parents, you know, the taxpayers who actually pay their salaries. Yanni Boy one writes, David has balls of steel. Oops, hope I'm not misgendering him, LOL. But seriously, David and the rest of Rebel News show courage every day. God bless you all. Well, thank you so much for those kind words. Um, it doesn't take you-know-what of steel. It just takes following the news, investigating, asking those questions. And I think it's telling when the people in charge don't provide answers to what are indeed very fair questions. Alpha Romeo 156 SWGTA writes, Homeschool your kids, people. If they don't give in to your demands, show them who is the real boss. Well, Alpha, I'll tell you this much. What's happening at the Halton District School Board these days? That is the best advertising possible for those who support homeschooling. Jason Upson writes, I really hope this is the number one Halloween costume this year. Jason, Halloween is now every day. Courtney Boudreaux writes, cancel that weirdo. Yeah, it's funny. Suddenly when it comes to someone who might be exhibiting a sexual perversion, the cancel culture adherents are nowhere to be seen. Gee, where are they when you need them? Anna Agenatowitz writes, I think this individual so-called teacher is sick, mentally challenged, needs a good psychiatrist. And you know, you're absolutely right. If this is the indeed the case, this person needs care and compassion and psychiatric treatment. But evidently, just to pose that question, that's an act of transphobia. Wife writes, David Menzies is persistent and so is the mother speaking out next to him. This is what is needed. We need to speak out loud and not let these cowards off the hook. We know Rebel News tactics succeeded because the rotten school board members walked out. Yeah, and that is so telling, isn't it? That they don't even have the decency to give parents answers to very important questions. Absolutely shameful. And Sean McKnight writes, as usual, Menzies renders Rebel News irrelevant. It's sad because if they had a lead reporter journalist that wasn't such an uber hyper polar right winger, they might be taken more seriously. Most good work in reporting from Rebel News, but Menzies is an absolute sideshow. You know, at time of writing, I got to tell you, there were more than 4,400 comments, folks, posted to our YouTube channel. And I was somewhat astonished to see that almost 100% of those comments were of the thumbs up variety. But as the aforementioned comment by Sean McKnight demonstrates, there's always the statistical anomaly. And Sean, let me tell you something. At least we are investigating. You might not like our methods, but the mainstream media which is typically all down when it comes to radical transgenderism. They know there's something fishy going on here too, but instead of investigating, they're ignoring this story and hoping it goes away. Guess what, my friend? It ain't going away.
Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. Have yourselves a fantastic weekend. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.